Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. We are joined again today by Kaylin Welch, the EVP of Business Development and co-owner of Fast Sensor. We had Kaylin back on the show, gosh, prior to COVID, and yep. now he's here with us again. And I am happy to say as well, he's here representing Fast Sensor, for who, for those that listen to us regularly, Fast Sensor is now our sponsor for our weekly Fast Five podcast. So we are very thankful to them, to them and we're very thankful to have Kalen on the show. So Kalen, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. Very, very well, Chris. And Ann, thank you for having me back on the show. Excited to kind of share some updates. The world has been evolving and uh, we've been evolving along with it. So really, really happy to be here and speak to you guys again. Yeah, I think, I mean, we, I think we must, we recorded that first podcast. I think we must've recorded it before COVID-19 hit, before all that went down. Yeah. Like we were talking before, and I think we first met each other at a conference back in the fall and holy cow, things have changed. So I think for those maybe that are, are new to OmniTalk and, and new to the podcast, listen to the first time, and even for those maybe that have heard the first podcast we did with you guys, you know, take us back there. Take us, you know, give us a summary. Who is Fast Sensor? Who are you? And then we'd love to transition into, you know, how have things changed for you guys? What's new and different? Sure, sure. So real quick, I'm Cameron Well, GP Business Development, excuse me, and co-owner of Fast Sensor. Um, and I come from mostly a retail background, we'll say, retail technology, bringing large technology solutions into retailers for about 20 years. Um, Fast Sensor is a consumer behavior tracking and shopper analytics solution pre-COVID. <laughs> And we've evolved to meet the demands of today. And uh, we've now evolved into a full-blown social distancing measurement solution that's unprecedented, as well as are now offering contact tracing for employees um, and creating what we call the where, which we'll talk about in a little bit related to social distancing guideline violations and lots of different ways to get businesses reopen safely and keep them open. That's the short, short version. Yeah, no, that, and that's great. And I think, you know, it's... it's if you don't mind too, start with us too. Take us back kind of the foundation in terms of who you guys are and like how it all works. Cause I think as we talked about in the last podcast, there were some really cool fundamental elements that we've always believed in as kind of the core to omni-channel retailing and specifically understanding where people are in space. What does location mean for your retail operation and, and how that all works to provide that foundation for what you guys are now doing and how things are continuing to evolve. Cause that was the cool thing. And why we want to have you guys back on is like, if anything, COVID's kind of supercharged your technology and your business here yes. in a lot of good ways, which we had been predicting. We just didn't think it would happen that fast. Yes. In some ways, there's been some um, some benefit, I hate to say it, that's come out of this uh, solution, this situation we're in with some new solutions. So kind of taking it back just to kind of create a baseline for everybody again, uh, we are a journey measurement solution. Okay. So we effectively take customer journeys, employee journeys, and now even workplace and workspace journeys, job journeys, et cetera. Um, and I'll even talk about forklift journeys in a little bit. And, but the point is we measure the movement and behaviors of people and or devices and or projects or equipment as it moves through physical environments. So primarily when we came to market and we last spoke, we were focused on what we would call customer journey, which is sort of front of house retail. And the way that we measure that journey is through radio frequency trilateration. That's a fancy word for we listen 
to radio frequency signals that are being emitted passively and anonymously from people's personal devices. So you got your, your Apple Watch or your Samsung Watch and your, your phones and your tablets and your laptops and all of those devices that are IoT slash connected devices. And they're all emitting passive and anonymous signals. And we effectively put sensors into the environment and listen to those devices. And we do not know who they belong to. We cannot connect to any personally identifiable information. So through anonymous and passive aggregation, we're able to determine, first of all, no matter how many devices you are, that you're one person, okay? We can literally measure your journey around the entire location down to one square meter of accuracy, generally 1.5, but we can do lesser uh, for lower cost. And then we, the real secret to our solution is that we're an artificial intelligence machine learning uh, software company. And people think we're a hardware company because of our name, but really we're a software company that studies behavior. And if you think about e-commerce and where it has taken off over the last five to 10 years, it's because of the power of the data and using artificial intelligence and machine learning to track these journeys. Those would be website journeys. Think of us as the same version of that in a physical environment. And it doesn't matter what that physical environment is from a retail store to a trade show to now a warehouse or a supply chain or distribution facility. Uh, we can track all of those journeys and then run that data through AI and algorithms that were designed to create outputs and data that make sense for the business owner. Does that make sense, High Level? 100%. It's like, it's, you know, I think it's like we talked about on the first podcast too. It's almost like a mouse uh, on a browser, like knowing, you know, what the equivalent of that is for physical movement inside of space in real time, which, which we don't know. I think the part you, I think the part that's important too, that if you could touch on it too, and then we'll kind of see how things have transitioned, but it's also a pretty easy implementation, right? Like you guys, you guys are running on your own kind of uh, on your own kind of network and thing, if I'm not mistaken. So from an, from in terms of what it takes from the lift on the retailer side, it's pretty straightforward, right? Yep, yep. We put sensors in the environment, a couple per space, depending on how large it is. Of course, we may need to add more. Uh, we do not touch their network in about 95% of the applications, unless there is some specific reason and agreement. But generally, we go in, we're our own network. We use a partnership through T-Mobile and Telefonica globally to bring a gateway in the form of LTE connectivity to talk to the cloud and transfer data. What that means for the customer is we don't have to talk to their IT team in general. Uh, we don't have to get on their networks. There's no concerns with compliance with PCI, HIPAA, or other data protection. So it makes it a very easy solution. Um, some of our solutions are so light that they're literally plug and play. So you can put sensors in the environment, turn them on. And even since we last spoke in, we've launched what we call self-training. Okay. So we don't even have to go in and send a tech anymore to what we call tune the environment. We can still do that for increased accuracy, but we're now able to truly plug and play. And you could have a much lighter sort of quote, uh, quote unquote implementation with a lot less heavy lifting uh, and therefore a lot less money uh, and almost the same accuracy. So we think we've struck a good balance in our solutions so we can kind of uh, get really sensitive or accurate or slightly less for a lot less money. So, Kaylin, what were you providing your customers with as you were collecting all of this data? What were you providing them pre-COVID? And can you start to kind of tell us how that's evolved now and the types of information you're providing now? Yep, yep. So pre-COVID, we were focused primarily on this customer journey. So we would provide metrics, let's say, to a retailer of how many people walk by the location, uh, an accurate what we call qualified visitor count using AI, and we're 95% accurate in our prediction. Uh, of determining who is a customer. 
solution would automatically exclude employees and other fixed assets in the environment. So we get a real true count without anybody having to do a lot of heavy lifting and whitelisting people and determining who works there and who doesn't. Really simple plug and play. Um, we would then look at how many people came into the environment, where they went and for how long. So dwell time, attraction rate, conversion between locations, uh, queue management, um, and all sorts of different metrics and measurement of that journey. So altogether, that was a pretty powerful package for retailers. Um, and we're often compared to, I hate to say it, the door counting companies <laughs> that use computer vision and they're providing a single metric. Uh, for us, we're literally covering the entire store, the entire space, thus the entire journey, and even providing things like passive loyalty metrics. So if you come back three weeks later, we don't know who you are, but we know you've been there before. Mm -hmm. So we're able to, again, in a really sort of a infrastructure-like solution and cost-efficient uh, solution compared to the computer vision companies, provide the entire journey instead of just that door. Does that make sense, Anne? Yeah, absolutely. And and as you're explaining that, you know, makes a lot of sense of why at, in a world of COVID, it would be very valuable to have all of this information at your fingertips. Yep. So so tell me about it now. I mean, for a quick example, I was at the Nike store on Friday doing back to school shopping. Yep. And it seems like, you know, you've got your social distancing in place as you wait in line for an hour and a half to get into the store. But then once the doors are open, it's just kind of chaos all over and people are running around and it's not the traditional experience. So how are you collecting information and how are you supplying that to the retail partners or, or other partners that you're working with? Sure. Well, we'll start with kind of framing that challenge, right? So the challenge yeah. is, hey, just because I limit how many people come into the building, does mm -hmm. that mean they're going to stay apart? Right. And the answer is no. So in the same week, if you go back about three months ago, we listened to two major retailers big boys. And one of them said 50% is the optimum capacity to keep social distancing. And everybody's going to just follow the rules and stay apart from each other. And the answer is no, it didn't work. Um, right. That same week, another retailer decided that 25% was the optimal number. And so the question becomes, well, who's right? And the answer is neither of them. And frankly, each individual space and the mitigation type of you know, solutions that they put into that environment are going to dictate what is safe. The challenge becomes how do you measure it? And nobody had a solution. So going back to these door counting solutions and you're measuring capacity and saying, okay, well, 20 people can come in the store now. It used to be 50, mm -hmm. it used to be 100. Well, if there's a sale on the back of the Nike, or, <laughs> which there is, right? Always <laughs> is. And where's the first place that everybody goes? They go back to check out the sale because times are tight. Everyone's trying to get their kids back in school and we're looking for a deal, whether it's at the grocery store in the meat department or shoes at Nike or the bar at the restaurant, which we've all been waiting to get back to for a number <laughs> of months. If you open that up and everybody goes to the same space, are they social distancing? The answer is no. So from our perspective, capacity is not the correct measurement. It's about proximity and people concentration. Mm -hmm. So where everybody is relative to each other, how long they're effectively near each other is what's going to determine are they safe or not. Now there is a lot of different opinion on what is safe. So if you look at the CDC requirements outside of the fact that they've evolved over the last number of months, they started at two people for more than 10 minutes and it was between 10 minutes and 30 minutes. And mm -hmm. then Apple and Google came out and said, we think that a violation is two people less than six feet for five minutes. And is that right? 
I don't know, right? right? So there's, again, a lot of conflicting information out there on what is safe. So instead of us trying to solve that, we built a solution that is flexible. So what our technology does, as you walk back a couple minutes ago and realize that we know where everybody is, we know where they are relative to each other, we know for how long, and our system is 1.5 meter accurate, which is five feet in most of our applications, and we can even go lower than that, then we know who's social distancing. And we have unique technology to allow what we call proximity and people concentration. And again, this is completely anonymous, passive, non-PII based. We don't know who these people are. And so what we did with our system, instead of excluding employees via AI, which our normal solution does, we wrote a parallel path algorithm that looks for different behavior. And it now takes into account all the employees, the FedEx or UPS guy who walks in and anyone else who's in the place because it matters now. So we can run a social distancing measurement as well as an analytics solution in parallel path and get both data sets into the dashboards or into a data set via an API for the customer. Does that make sense high level? It does. I think that's incredible. And I think it's, I think it's incredibly fascinating too, especially that's why I want to start in the beginning. Cause I think to see how that's evolved and, and why the foundation was there yep. is, is really inherently interesting. And so, but Kayla, let me ask you this. I think it, I think it all makes sense conceptually. Um, you know, especially as you're, as you're, as you're following this, like, as we are like day to day, but now the question, I think, you know, the, where the rubber always meets the road is okay. Everything you're saying makes sense. How are you doing it? So like, how are you working with those retailers to say, all right, here's how we are going to establish these protocols. Here's how we are going to do these implementations. And and here's how we're going to kind of hold hands and make this happen. What do you, and I imagine people are taking different approaches too. So what are you seeing that's working? Uh, and, and maybe what's not as well. Great, great question. So I'll start with that which gets measured gets done. One of the most famous quotes out there. I, it's like, yeah, it's not a plan until you write it down, 100%. Absolutely. The challenge with today's world is that if you can't measure social distancing, then how do you know if what you've done is working or not? And so most people out there have no way to measure it until we came along. Uh, and they've now got a measuring stick to see if all of those changes they've made in their physical environment Everything from the limitation of capacity, which we think is important. We're not saying that's not the right solution. It's just one of them. And it's not the measurement that determines whether or not you're safe. Um, It's the simple markers on the floor and the stickers that are all over every business stay six feet apart. Uh, It's labor and security in some cases and operations folks reminding customers. So those are, you know, the typical things, the physical barriers, social distancing, marking, you know, the alerts and reminders as people come into the location. Uh, But what we're finding is that with our data set, you can take it to a whole nother level. So we have something we call the last mile. Hmm. And our data is provided in a dashboard and you can get what we call a management real-time alert via text message, via an email, or you can connect almost any other form of technology via our API. So last mile for us is, that manager of the store getting a text message when he's got the fifth notification of social distancing guidelines violations in the deli or at the back of the Nike store to determine, hey, I need to go take a look. So we like to say, we're the guys that say, hey, look over here. You've got an issue. You could never measure this before us, but now we're going to show you where you need to focus your energy. And because of the system's flexibility, we can start at a looser form of sensitivity. We might say four people for 10 minutes, 
and look for egregious offenders. And then as you work out and sort of address those issues, you can slowly ferret out all of your areas that are dangerous and slowly work to a place of safety. And in that process, instead of having a preset limit of X percent for capacity, mm-hmm. we might be able to bring you higher because you can now measure what is safe. Mm-hmm. So if somebody previously thought 25% was enough, what if we could get you to 37 or 56? You know, can businesses survive on 25% capacity? Not really. Okay. That's just a matter of time. They're just buying themselves time. Mm-hmm. So optimizing that through those areas and to, to specifically answer your question, your question, Chris, you know, we're seeing digital signage being applied and we've done some partnerships with people like Samsung, which we'll talk about in a minute with uh, some of our strategic alliance updates. Um, we're seeing uh, literally auditory alerts that our APIs are triggering. We're seeing connections to kiosks that people are implementing within the environments. Um, we're also, of course, seeing the dashboard usage and seeing mm-hmm. those real-time alerts that are supported by our solution. And this is all, again, in the quote-unquote public space. So I'll pause there, make sure that makes sense, and then we can talk about other types of environments. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that's really interesting because uh, what, uh, one of the unlocks for me as I was talking about this, when you're, when you're first describing it and we were talking about it before, uh, you know, part of me was like, okay, you get these alerts. My initial reaction is like, as a former store manager was, let's, let's start slowing, the, the, slowing down the metering of traffic that's going into the store. But that may or may not be the right answer, which I, which I hadn't really thought about before, which in reality, this takes me a whole nother step, right? Because what you're saying is I can now kind of get it and I can get an alert basically, or, or some type of a notification to say, well, you know, the issues in the deli or like Ann said, it's, it's, you know, back in the clearance section, I can start to find out where those are and then ask myself better questions. Like, well, have I outlined my procedures right here? Like, have yeah. I, have I clearly, you know, demarcated where social distancing should occur or should not occur? occur? Is it a function of my staff not telling people that that's what they need to do or asking them to please be aware of that? And so to your point that that's really interesting because I, I hadn't thought about it like that. I thought about it in a very simplistic way of, okay, let's just get better at traffic metering. Right. But in reality, it actually probably makes me more operationally efficient. Probably also in some ways keeps me more engaged with my team and keeps my team happier too, because there's sure. more of a rationale to why all this stuff is happening, let alone the customers and, and how much more quickly they can get through that experience. And then also not having the negative side effects of, you know, making the lines longer to get in the darn store. Yeah. And, well, I think Chris, you bring up hmm. a point at I the end there that. too. It's a it's the change in the customer experience as well. Mm-hmm. And Kaylin, you started talking about other kinds of partnerships you were forming. But I think that as a customer, if you are going to be going into stores and shopping, you see the all the the markations on the ground that say six stay six feet apart and uh, all the other measures. But there's nothing active that's happening that kind of shows you that these stores have evolved and that the process of keeping your customers safe is evolving. And so tell us a little bit about like these, the signs, the digital signs and more of the real time response that, that, that your platform will allow retailers to implement so that I can see as a customer that you're really going the extra mile to keep me safe. Sure. Great question. So we've gone as far in some of our partnerships to create digital signage at front of store. That's one of the use cases and applications. Imagine if you had a score, much like your health score, maybe into a restaurant that said, how safe is this space? Right. And if you saw that this store did a great job of protecting you as a customer, then you're more likely to go inside. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest challenge that retailers are seeing these days, once they're allowed to open, is our customers going to come back? You know, if you open it, will they come? Not necessarily. 
Um, so you have to create a safe space. I've been in locations and I go out to retail stores every weekend with a mask on and you know, covered up and safe as possible. And I'm watching, frankly, some very, very good best practices and some very poor ones. So if as a customer, if you can rebuild that trust model and change the experience starting with that, you're more likely to come back and spend your money at that retailer. And that's kind of one of the biggest pieces. So you know, back to the specificity, digital signage at the front of store, or even in the department, you can literally see where the alerts are, where the spaces are that are safe or where you should maybe stay away from as a customer. Um, the, the kiosk application, the ability to create an auditory alert. Uh, some of the retailers we've worked with just want to trigger an alert and they're going to remind people in that zone or area of their store or department, hey, Mr. Customers, don't forget, stay six feet apart, please. Stay safe. Yeah, right. We look forward to seeing you come back again. And these types of things change that customer experience. So that's been, that's been key. The other piece that's really important is we don't want to be shocking customers and you know, doing things that are intrusive, nor do we want them to feel like their privacy is being violated in any means. So the, our solution being completely non-PII, we don't know who any of these people are. We're simply looking at the overall aggregate. So there's a good and a bad to that. We're not going as far. Um, and then you can look at environments where you can sort of control the quote unquote end user. Um, and you can have a user alert, which we are capable of doing with some of our solutions. And we're doing that with employees in stores. We actually launched a haptic vibrating wearable. And we're mm -hmm. also using that in what I consider the truest form of essential business, which is warehouse distribution, supply chain logistics. Because if you have no distribution center, you have no retail. So we've actually been pulled back of house since we launched what we call Atom, which is our active distance alert monitoring. And now we're doing front of house, back of house, and in back of house, we're doing employee alerts via haptic wearables, as well as full on contact tracing in case somebody does get sick because then you can shut down a few people or a section of your distribution center instead of the entire location which is important to keep everything flowing while we're all locked down. How does that work? Like, are you giving them a, a new piece of equipment? Is it, are you like, is it something they're already, that you're already using on a daily basis? Like how, how are you guys implementing that? That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, we've been in the trade show and experiential marketing business for a long time. So we okay. were badges which are effectively yeah. RFID badges. And we've been using those at trade shows for years. So we took the same technology. We're applying that. Those badges currently do not vibrate or have a user alert. So if the business just wants to protect themselves, so to speak, and have a management alert, then the badge becomes the tracking quote unquote device. Now, when it comes to a user alert, you want that device to alert the user in real time that they're too close for too long. So we took the same chipset and we built it into a wristband and it's effectively a vibrating wearable that can determine if one of its similar wristbands is too close for too long. And we can again, preset those ranges. And now if you've got two people at the distribution center and they're too close, they get a user alert in the form of a gentle vibrating buzz on their wrist. Um, at the same time, the data is being pushed to our sensor network. And not only are we logging the unique identifier of those two devices, which the HR department, not fast sensor can then tie to but we are also ultimately, you know, tracking the data of what we call the where. So if you can find out much like in that retail store that the deli is your problem, 
Well, maybe back of house at the distribution center, warehouse, manufacturing facility, it's the cafeteria because everybody's on break and they're coming in and sitting too close and catching up. And so those are things that we call the where. And that's what most of the solutions, I would say almost every solution on the market does not do a good job of and or doesn't even have the option. So we provide the where, the who, the when, and the how long. Does that make sense? It does. And what it gets me thinking too, it gets, I mean, again, it gets me thinking back to my store management days, like say that, and you probably remember this too, like when the, that truck shows up in the morning, like, you know, that, that, and a lot of times I'm processing that, processing that stuff four, 6 a.m. in the morning. I mean, there's no, there aren't customers in there, but yeah, to be able, I hadn't thought about that, but to be able to have that knowledge, you know, I've got all the different productivity metrics and whatnot, like how long it take me to get the truck fully unloaded and get it all staged and put back, but to actually be able to have a, a, a very objective metric to say, how well did we do that from a safety perspective under COVID? Yep. I, don't, I haven't heard that talked about at all in that context. That's, that's really fascinating and seemingly straightforward and easy to do, given what you said with like kind of the knowledge of how this all works through, through trade shows and whatnot. So, Absolutely. Same huh, basic, yeah. The, the whole beauty of what we did and how hmm. we were able to move so fast. And we built Adam active distance alert and monitoring in about eight days. Why? Because wow. it's a new algorithm. It's not a new technology. We've been in the business for seven years, same hardware, same infrastructure, same everything. We just created a new feature, frankly, and gave it a name. And What's the name again for everybody? What is it? It's called Fast Sensor Atom, and now we've expanded Adam. to Atom Solutions. Okay. So active Distance Alert and Monitoring. So. All right. It all begins with Atom. It's kind of, I think that goes way back, right? If I'm not mistaken. Very good. All right. Same for us. So. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Okay. Wow. That, okay. That last part was really, that's really heady stuff in terms of like where that then eventually takes you beyond just the customer, but into how your employees are operating, no matter where they are, HQ, warehousing or in the back of the house. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, with all that said, you're a good sport and you're one of our favorite guests on the show. We are going to do something we haven't done before. We're, we're going to start this off and we might do this more regularly. We're going to see how it goes. So all those of you listening out there, please let us know what you think of this. But I think in honor of the topic and in honor of Kalen and Fastlane, so we're going to play a new game. Not how millennial are you because we've already done that. Right. We're going to play how contactless are you. Got it. I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Are you ready? And? Yes, let's do it. All right, Kalen. When the option is available, are you pulling out Mobile payment or credit card? Mobile payment, for sure. What kind? Any particular uh, one? Generally, an Apple Pay tied to one of my cards. Um, I've okay. also Google Pay with, with Samsung devices as well. Got, I've got multiple. And that's always my go-to. Uh, these days, I don't like my credit card touching anything. I hate good, to say it. Good point. So good point. If I can stay away and have contactless anywhere, anything, anytime, that's my preference. And I get frustrated with retailers who do not offer that. So I hope they all do. <laughs> yeah. I just saw, so I won't name names, but I saw somebody today that was like, uh, we're, we're going to Apple pay. I was like, wow, good move, you know, <laughs> five years ago. But, um, let me, let me ask you this because this came up last week for us. Venmo, some retailers are starting to take Venmo as that starts to become more ubiquitous. You, are you going to move towards Venmo or do you think you'll stick with kind of the Apple pay setup where you're, you're kind of, you know, on the cutting edge of things. Where do you think you'll go with that? I'll use anything that keeps me safe right now and the easiest and quickest solution. So to me, it's about safety today and convenience in the primary function. Um, so I'm open to anything that works. It's all about how seamless the integration, how quick it is. And so 
that's my answer. I would say I'm contactless for sure. And it's about what is simplest and easiest to use. And I'm, I'm all in. Okay. Okay. So you could be a Venmo adopter. All right. And yes. question two. Okay. Let's go to number two. Uh, speaking of convenience, food and alcohol deliveries. Are you doing that in store or restaurant? Are you doing curbside delivery? Where, where are you? All of the above. Uh, I will say that I have been on excursions to grocery stores and other retailers over the last number of months to see and learn and watch. But I will tell you that the majority of my groceries show up at my door. Okay. So, You're doing well so far. I feel like this is this is like a shoe in for you, Kalen. Um, I don't know this next question though. This one throws a wrench in it. All this right, is, these are like gimme so far. Yes. In the last week, how many non-business related Zoom calls have you been on? Uh, I would say probably two. So okay. Okay. Much uh, in the beginning of COVID, it was within a month. It was like multiple times per week and on the weekends. Um, and I am a Zoom user. So lots of friends and family and a little bit less just last week. I think everybody's tired of it right now. So right. a little bit of Zoom fatigue and uh, I'm on all day for, for work. So a little bit less compared to in the past. All right. Okay. I, what do you think, Chris? Two? Yeah, two a week. I mean, that's, that's, more, that's probably more than I have non-business related. I'm probably averaging like one a week. How many about you? You've got like the whole Mazenga Italian clan. You guys are probably like 20. What are you doing? Oh, we're not doing the Zoom calls. Oh, yeah. You're just meeting in person. That's right. Just... <laughs> yeah, you're not contactless. <laughs> we're, uh, we're not uh, going to win the contactless <laughs> one on that. I mean, we're observing safety protocols by all means, but we are, uh, we are yes. We've That's moved right. away from Zoom more quickly than Italians I Italians pointing their fingers. It's, it's hard to eat each eat over Zoom with each other. So, you know. I did try that once and it was a little weird. <laughs> that, you know, a little bit of a long range. Let's all get down and eat. And it was a little odd to watch each other on Zoom. And, and the amplification of people's eating is like on the microphone is also very undesirable. So don't recommend that one unless absolutely necessary but so don't don't zoom with a loud chewer so no i've probably never no. been invited to a zoom dinner party <laughs> um all right man that was great always learn a ton that's why i love having you on the show and love and again are so so appreciative of the support to you for the fast five sponsorship but always learn so much and got to think about that topic today in a completely new way and a lot of different angles and i hope you listening out there did as well Kaylin, if people want to learn more about Fast Sensor or what Adam, uh, as it's now called as well, where should they go? How do they find out more? It's the best way to get in touch. I think uh, fastsensor.com is probably always our best way. You can sign up for a demo. Um, you can hit us up on LinkedIn. You can find me personally and reach out. Um, and you can also see us through a lot of our partners. So we're actually doing co-sell with our friends at Microsoft, uh, as well as Intel. We have Market Ready Solutions. And with Samsung, they've become a very large partner. So there's a lot of different ways to reach us through various partners, as well as our friends at T-Mobile and Telefonica across the board. But .com, FastSensor.com is probably the best to quickly quickly find out about us and get in contact. Yeah, schedule that demo, learn more. Awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. For those listening, Kaylin Welch, the EVP of Business Development and co-owner of FastSensor. As we say at the conclusion of every podcast, and now it's more important than ever, especially in light of the topic we just covered, be careful out there.